Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. One, two, three. It's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. A hard next life. Oh, it's a hard next life. It's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. A hard next life. Oh, it's a hard next What up, Knicks fans? And what is up, Barry motherfucking D? What is up, Craig? Looking mighty comfortable, might I say. And good evening, Landerson Hooper. Uh, what the hell are you wearing? Is that like a white terry cloth robe? Is that weird? Yeah. It's a little weird, yeah. Definitely. I mean, you look relaxed. I'm going to slowly show you guys more of my, um... Skin? It's not... No. <laughs> It's not more of myself as this show goes on. All right. I don't know where you're going with that, but no, the answer is no. That's not necessary. Yeah, no thank you. If you like our show or you listen to it, please, wherever you listen, leave us a five-star rating and or a positive review. On today's show, guys, we got lots to talk about. Is that true? Yeah. It's not really true. It is true. I think we got a lot. All right, we're going to be answering your Twitter questions, talking about the latest rumors surrounding CP3 and Victor Oladipo. We're going to be reviewing some of the second-tier point guards expected to go in the first round of this year's draft. And we got a very special news, of course, Blandy. Are you ready? I'm ready. How are you guys doing? Uh, I got some complaints about our toilet paper conversation last week. Did, Did you, you really? guys? Uh, yeah, a couple. What, on Twitter? I can't say. I wouldn't worry about where I got them. Does that mean like your parents complained or something? No, no, <laughs> not my parents. Just people. People that listen to the show that I speak to as well. What kind of complaints could there be about the toilet paper? Just that they don't need to hear about men's use of toilet paper. It wasn't that graphic. I guess there was like one thing about, like, I, we're, we're going to go into it now and we're going to lose those oh, okay. same people again. So maybe just avoid it. I was about to say exactly what made them turn off the show. Wow. Okay. Sorry, Barry, that you're here tonight. When we got on Skype tonight, I was like, oh, Barry, all in black. You're like, yeah, that's right. Very cold. <laughs> Very cold. I had to step away and I knew, you know, we we're up against the clock. I wanted to make myself a, a nice hot cup of tea. I'm, I'm, you know, a little sick, which I, I caught from my kids because both my kids were sick this week. Oh, it's no. a fucking nightmare. If you're a parent this day and age and your kid has like the sniffles and they miss a day of school, it's like horror to get them back into school. Yeah, it's impossible. We I dealt with that for like two weeks with my oh, kids. Yeah, so you get you have two two choices. If any any cold like symptoms, no matter what it is, a runny nose, a sore throat, a cough, if they have any one of those and they leave school for that reason or don't attend school for that reason, the only way they're allowed back in is to be symptom free for ten days, or return symptom free with a negative COVID test. So my son got a, a COVID test uh, the other day, negative. My daughter got sick from him. So then she had to go get a COVID test. She's negative. And they don't have to wait a certain number of days even with the COVID test? No. They have to come back without the symptoms and a negative COVID test. Right. Right. But they're all just like, you know, as far as like what the rules are, it's like they're throwing darts at a board. They're making the shit up as they go along. 
from you know other people I talked to. Every school district is different. You know, the people at the COVID testing center, they say it's like crazy because like any reason that could go to the nurse, they're being sent to get a COVID test. Now, th- isn't it true that if they have any of those symptoms, they can't go to school? Right. They can't go anyway. Exactly. You can't send them. And then, you know, I sent my son back to school for the first time yesterday and I said, you do not go to the nurse. You know, <laughs> you better not go to the nurse because he didn't want to go back to school. But, you know, he was he was fine. He was ready to go. When I told him he had to go to school, that's when he started coughing. You know, and he said he couldn't go. So that was a battle. But uh, yeah, I don't want them going to the nurse for anything now. He said his teacher was trying to get him to go to the nurse because he was coughing in class today. You know, and he said, no, no, I'm not going to (laughs) go. Daddy said no. I trained him well. Yeah, he said no. Yeah, my kid got sent home for sneezing too many times. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So crazy. Yeah. My daughter was sick, as you know, and she had a fever and like a runny nose and... We weren't going to test her for COVID because she didn't. The school said she needed two of the five symptoms plus a fever, and she just had a runny nose and a fever. So we were like, "All right, we don't have to test her for COVID." So it said, "Okay, you have to wait. Seven, she has to be fever free for seventy two hours, and has to be accompanied with a doctor's note saying that she was all better." Right. So we waited for her to be totally better and fever free for seventy two hours, then took her to the doctor, and we're expecting the doctor to give us a note, and she's going back to school the next day, and the doctor is like, "Ugh, I can't." Right. I, I don't feel really comfortable giving a doctor's note saying that she's perfectly fine unless we give a COVID test. Right, exactly. Like, Fuck, are you fucking kidding me? So then we had to go get a COVID test done with her. Yep. And then we had to wait another three days to get it back. And then we get it back. We send her to school. The school calls us. And like, ah, oh, yeah, we, we actually still need the doctor's note. Even oh. with the COVID test and that she's been fever free. Yes, yeah, I didn't fucking, do the doctor's Then we had to go back thing. to the doctor again, get the fucking <laughs> doctor's note. Now I have a question. You you know you said your son had gotten one too, and he's a pussy um, because he he cried when he got it. He had gotten his before she had gotten hers. Yeah, yeah. Did she see him get uh-huh. his? No, she didn't come with us. Oh, okay. See, my daughter saw my son get his. Though. Oh well, you can't. Do- no, that's oh. awful. So she didn't want to go, but you know she knew she had to go. It took like you know five to ten minutes for the lady standing right there with the with the with the swab thing my daughter wouldn't let her do it my daughter's negotiating with her how far are you going to put it in point to it you know where is it going to go up to um you know the lady's like it's just going to tickle and she wouldn't let her do it finally the lady gets it in there and like counts to 1 and my daughter pulled her head back and the lady's like okay we got it so then my son is crying the whole car ride home because he didn't think it was fair that he had to have it in his nose for 5 seconds and she only had to have it in her nose for one second. Well, she negotiated down. She did. She did. She wore them out. Let me get out of this robe. Do you guys mind? Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. <laughs> what do you mean? Let's check out some Twitter questions. If my nipple pops out, just let me know. Oh, All right. God. <laughs> uh, this is not. I didn't sign up for this. All right. Let's see if we got anything good here. Mr. Cool, do you think the real reason why Knicks could feel pressure to trade away picks and young talent instead of doing a proper rebuild might have something to do with the Brooklyn Nets? Nothing would make James Dolan crazier than the Nets going to the finals while the Knicks suck. I mean, the Knicks haven't been patient enough for a real rebuild since well before the Nets had any chance of being good. I don't think that plays into it at all. There's no way that they're concerned about the Brooklyn Nets. I 100% agree. They don't give a flying F about the Brooklyn Nets and what they're doing. And and even if the Nets, let's say they do make it to the finals, or dare I say win a championship, the New York Knicks franchise, you know, as, as many knocks as they take, they still have a foothold in New York. 
that the Nets are not going to be able to take over. The Nets have a better chance of becoming the country's team before it has a chance of becoming New York's team. Kevin Durant, there's no chance that Kevin Durant and Kyrie will ever become the country's team. No. They're nowhere near likable enough even for that. They do have that going against them. You're right. As but you're cool right. as the, the Brooklyn Nets image. Right. As it, cool as the Brooklyn Nets of fucking black and white images, Kyrie and KD pretty much take it all away because they are the opposite of cool. That's true. But I I agree that the Nets, no matter what they do, they could win fucking seven championships in a row here in New York. Maybe that would change things. But they could win six championships in a row here in New York and they will never get a foothold of the city, like you yeah, said. Yeah, the, the Knicks aren't competing against the Nets. No. They're just not. Knicks fandom UK. What happened to the Rats? Barry, fill everybody in. Yeah, things have been quiet on this front. I can tell you, though, I do see a lot of chipmunks outside, so I'm thinking maybe that was it all along as the chipmunks. Barry, I hate to tell no. you, but there was um, you have no. all kinds of animals that were going in there. <laughs> you and I both saw it. <laughs> there probably were chipmunks in there. I don't see why there wouldn't be. Squirrels, raccoons, mice, rats, chipmunks. Yeah, but everything's been quiet here. You know, you haven't your kids. Do they, do they are they allowed to play that game anymore in the basement that they were playing? No. So they just no. don't play that anymore. So you don't see the poop. No, that that giant, you know, ball that was yeah. down here, uh, inflatable ball has been removed from the basement. So there's no temptation to play that game and knock the ceiling tiles out and have all the rat poop fall from the heavens. And I, <laughs> I assume someone cleaned that ball. Yeah, I should probably do that. <laughs> God. <laughs> At Perpetuum 529. One, we know Craig works for a sports team. Yeah. And Barry works for a bike shop. Blandy works in what function for a school? Grade school or high school? Blandy, are you prepared to give us detailed information about your personal life? I can give that information. I mean, oh, wow. I won't be really specific, but I mean, I can give information if that's what they'd like. I am a, a social studies middle school teacher. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I appreciate the question. Are the kids ever, do they ever fall asleep while you're teaching them social studies? <laughs> I resent that question. Do you do a lot of accents in your class? Yes, all the time. Of course. For when you speak about a different country or region, yes. you go into that accent? Exactly. When I'm talking about the French, I use the French accent. When I'm do you for real? British, Barry, did you know about this? Yes, I really do. I know he's a fun teacher. I know he you know, plays games and does things and you know it's probably inappropriate too but so give us an example what do you mean when i'm talking about like napoleon and the louisiana purchase yeah i i use the french accent or the french and indian war or i use a dopey british accent when i'm talking about the revolutionary war i know you said the other day that when you do the, like the zoom teaching or the remote teaching that you're uncomfortable because you, you think parents might be listening and you might say something stupid yes you have to be very careful so do you have an example of like an accent you've done over over this remote learning that you were a little nervous about how it might be perceived? Well, I'm not nervous about the, the accents themselves. No, that I'm not nervous about. It's just about stuff that I might say. So what say. would you say about, like, Napoleon? What would I say about him? Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the Louisiana Purchase. So I speak in the French accents that I use the days of uh, Frank's birthday. You know, and I the, talk kids about like it. It. the kids yeah. like it. Yeah, <laughs> because I do a lot of this. And they do. They enjoy it very much. Yes. We oui, we. Oui. <laughs> so creepy. All right. <laughs> because uh, how many of their teachers are going to speak to them like that? Very few. See? Right? <laughs> Another question. Would you guys give Randall a chance if the coaching staff revives his career? If not, who or what will you trade him for? I like Julius Randall. Okay. I just 
didn't like him next to Marcus Morris. You know, I think Marcus Morris should have been at the four. He spaces the floor well, so I think he would have had better success there. I think the the, the lineup would have had better success there. But next to Randall, it didn't do much for me, you know. And I think the fact that he played so much with Morris, the two of them played so much together, and Morris all of a sudden this year, his usage rate got so high, I think that affected, you know, Randall. I think Randall felt like he had to do more the, the, the fewer chances he got to touch the ball. I think he would excel here without Morris next to him in the lineup. So I don't have a problem giving a, a, a full look at Randall this year. I think he's a good player, and, and I think he can have success here um, you know, with the right guys around them. I am all for giving every single young player on this team, which Randall is included in, a chance this year with this coaching staff and with Thibodeau to revive their careers or just just get on the right track, I would say. After this year, if we don't like him, we could just cut him loose and save a lot of money and use that towards free agency. There's really no risk in seeing what he has this year and if he can improve under Kenny Payne. We know what he's got a relationship with Kenny Payne hoping Kenny Payne can get Knox and Randall and Mitchell Robinson all much improved this season. So, I, I mean, I'm all for it, but I would trade him to get up, move up to LaMelo. And I know a lot of Knicks fans would trade him for nothing just to get him off of the team, but... Well, that's crazy. I don't think that's fair after one season. Yeah. Where would they be getting their offense from if they traded him for, for nothing? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He's absolutely right. <laughs> is what, he? What are they, what are he they is. Yeah, I mean, look, we we expect we expect RJ Barrett to have good numbers, you know, in his second season, right? Um, and again, because you know, again, Morris is not going to be there scoring all the points. Uh, but he's right. Who who's going to be your top scorers on this team if you trade him for nothing? And and how can you trade a twenty million dollar player like Randall, who has had who's put up good numbers, good rebound numbers, good points numbers? You know, on those Pelicans teams. Well, you're not trading him for nothing. I was just saying that fans would be perfectly fine if he just disappeared. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's untouchable why. by any means. A lot of fans think they're worse with him, regardless of him being able to score 20 points a game, that he takes, en- he takes enough away from you, whether it's turnovers, selfish style of play, that that negates his 18 to 20 points a game. Like you said, they signed him to what, a three-year deal? Three-year deal, and the Knicks can get out of it All after right, two. So, so, I mean, you know, you're not locked in long term, and he's not old. And he has, you know, he has ability, and he's going to be the top scorer on this team this uh, on the team this year, unless they go out and do something crazy and, and make some kind of a trade. He's going to be the leading scorer again. All right, guys, thanks for the questions. There are some more, but those are my favorites. As many of you know, our sponsor, Clarkson Avenue Crumb Cake Company, has the most delicious and unique crumb cakes in existence. It's true, Jason. You like desserts. I do. I love them. They are big Knicks fans, big fans, big fans of the show, and they are local, but they deliver everywhere online with flavors like mint chocolate blackout, raspberry blackout. There's no moaning this week, Jay. You all right? I'm good. I didn't know that you wanted me to. Uh, Blueberry, salted caramel. These guys are changing the crumb cake game. They are available online in a variety of flavors and in two sizes, the classic 8 by 8 inch size cakes or their world-famous crumbkins, which are essentially crumb cakes in mini-muffin form. Don't forget about the cake of the month. Ooh, the crumb cake of the month, the caramel apple crumb cake. And I spoke to Sean from Clarkson Avenue, and that was not the drink we thought it was. Oh, no? What was it? According to him, that was simply apple cider with a stick of cinnamon. Wow. Okay. And with the holidays around the corner, guys, they are now offering corporate gifting at a special pricing. Ooh. Okay. So if you want to send your clients or employees or your podcast co-hosts something special for the holidays, you hear that, Jay? <laughs> You're the new guy on the show. 
uh, Barry and I expect something nice for the holidays. Mm-hmm. All right, last year Barry got me something, and I think it's your turn. Is that true, Barry? Did you do that? Yeah. Wow. So it comes in a nice, nice packaging, a nice black and white packaging. Just go to clarksnavcrumb.com and click on the corporate gifting link. All right. For all of your crumb cake needs, go to clarksnavcrumb.com. Use promo code HARDNICKSLIFE for 23% off your order. Yeah, Jay, we had a uh, like a secret Santa, but it you know it wasn't that exciting. With the two of you? Kinda, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't that exciting as I heard they, they usually are. Hmm. So, but guys, have you been fun? Oh, Barry, you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. What, are you gassy? Yeah, a little bit. I'm good, though. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so, have you, have you guys... <laughs> Tighten up that robe, bro. Honestly, can we not... Yeah, seriously. Do you have a, a like a tie around that robe? What are you doing? Oh, it's your wife's robe? I just oh, noticed yes, it's so got her name embroidered on it. I was trying to cover up this heart and the name. <laughs> <laughs> what, does it come up to like your, your mid-thigh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, there have been a lot of rumors lately about Chris Paul and Victor Oladipo, right? Uh, there was this one report that their priority is going to be Victor Oladipo over Chris Paul. Are you guys buying into any of that? No. Maybe because I don't want to. So it's my bias saying no. I mean, I brought it up last week in the news, and both of you right away said no to that. And the potential rumored deal that you're hearing about, or, or at least a starting point, would be the two first-round picks from Dallas in 21 and 23, Julius Randle and either Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nilakina. Which, like I said last week, I'm not giving up anything for Oladipo. No, not that much. No, and if I'm giving up that much, I want to get excited about it. You know, I want somebody coming here that I'm, I'm really excited to to watch here and potentially you know be that bridge to the to, to what we want this team to be and Victor Oladipo doesn't do it for me yeah he's a good player you know on somebody else's team for me to admire you know his highlights from time to time but uh you know through the injuries and just what I think he can bring to the table I think I personally think that he's hit his ceiling I don't think he's still you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be any better than he's been. And from what you're hearing a lot lately, there's been a lot of talk that many on the Knicks have a real belief that Dennis Smith Jr. can turn it around. So it's starting to sound like if any, if there was, if there was a between Frank or DSJ to go anywhere for anyone, it seems like it would likely be Frank at this point if those rumors are true. DSJ is like probably the biggest mystery to me, just because I mean he went so low this year. You know, personal life aside, I just don't know what what he's got in him you know what i mean i mean the talent is there he's got talent you look look at clips of cole anthony that we all see and like what is he doing out there that dsj really couldn't do you know but like you said dsj don't say that to barry hit the lowest he hit the lowest of lows yeah and the fans got against him he had a death in the family right yeah and he couldn't his shot was it was just all out of whack but all the talent is there. We've seen it. We've seen glimpses of it. There was something mental like there's something mentally off for him all last season. Right. And we've seen that happen to NBA players. We see it all the time. But sometimes they never bounce back. They never recover. And it just sits with them, you know, the rest of their career. Uh and then other times they're able to shake it off and, you know, get back to what got them here. <laughs> I can't bury we're seeing way too hold, much here. Hold on, I gotta. I just gotta change my. I just gotta get out of this. Yeah. You're just Off looking screen, for an excuse please. to stand Off up screen. in front. Of him. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> he throws it in view of the camera. All right, Jay. Is that better, Craig? That that re- it reminded me of the story you tell where John 
where John oh, answered yes. the door in his robe. We had a good friend who was one of the most inappropriate people. <laughs> um, I mean, he's still around. <laughs> I remember when he used to trap us in his room oh, and make us check out his pubes. <laughs> Listen, he would not let us. He would not let us leave the room. He would stand in front of the door. He just developed earlier than all of us. He wouldn't let us leave until we looked at him. Uh, so I'm he would drop a... trow and have you guys, like, what in admiration, look at his pubes. He would just be like, "Look at this. Look at what's happening here." And he would dude, that's so weird, down. man. You were not there for that. You never no, got trapped in that room. No, 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 no. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that whoever spoke to you about not liking the toilet paper conversation is going to have something to say about this particular conversation. <laughs> if they get if, this far. If it continues. This friend of mine who had the problem with the toilet paper said that he keeps trying to listen to the show because he wants to hear about basketball and he can never get past the first like 15 or 20 minutes because it's never about basketball. Oh. <laughs> Come on. I told him, I told him, then just skip ahead to 20 minutes in and you'll hear basketball. <laughs> what do you want from us? So what do you think about the the latest rumor for CP3? And I don't understand how what what there is to these rumors, but the latest one is Frank Knox, Portis, Alfred Payton, and a future first. Look, any anything to get him here, you're going to have to give a ton. You just are. I know it's a big salary that they'd be happy to unload, but I mean, you're talking about a guy who he made the All NBA second team this year. Now, granted, a lot of people thought he shouldn't have made any of the three teams. This year with the numbers he put up, but but he's an all NBA player still. It's gonna it's gonna be a big load that you're gonna have to shoot Ooh. to get him. Now a lot of people when they read that, they were instantly saying no. Every like across the board, Knicks fans, Knicks bloggers, Knicks podcast hosts just said no, no. Laughable, whatever. They were just ripping that. But then let's let's break it down. All right. Portin Portis, Portin. Portis and Peyton. Okay, whatever. Just nobody cares. Just get them out of the equation. Future first. I'm fine with that. All right. Future first. Whenever it's a future first, you don't even know what year it is. Who cares? We'll just <laughs> don't pay attention to it. All right. Sometimes they come back to bite you. But you, again, you're going to have that's to a give da- that. Maybe that's the Dallas first, right? We're right. not going to give up our first. So let's say that's right. a Dallas first, whatever. Right. Scratch that off. So then you got Frank and Knox for Chris Paul. I'd be fine if it wasn't Frank, if it was just Knox and the future pick. And two of those vets, you know, whether it's Portis, Ellington, Bullock, Peyton. But you have a problem that it's Frank and Knox. Yeah, I don't love it. Because think about it. You will have, you will have for this year, you'll have Chris Paul. I'm not saying we're going to be a playoff team, but just, just to give you an idea of the young guys we'll still have left, because we're giving up two young guys, but you'll still have Mitchell, RJ, DSJ, and let's say Okoro and Chris Paul. You would let Frank come between you, you know, stop you from getting Chris Paul? I I just said I don't love it. Um, I I think you'd have to because, like I said, it, it, you're going to have to give them a lot and just putting all your hopes in Knox because you know what you're getting with Portis and, or, or whatever the vets that come along. Knox, you don't know what you're getting because he's, he's still so young. So for them to gamble like that by giving away such a high prize in Paul, uh, yeah, I think they're going to require another young player. So I, I said I don't love it, but, you know, I, I, I'll get over it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I said at the beginning of this season that, like, I was done, you know, uh, having all my eggs in Frank's basket. It, it's like now now or never, you know, show us show us what you got. And he didn't really wow us this season. You know, it was an effed up season, but. Like I said earlier, my strong preference is that we just keep all these young guys. 
unless we can move up to get a greater young guy in the draft. But I, I'm not really crazy about tr- training any of these young guys because between Frank or Knox, I'm hoping one of them works out. So to get rid of both of them takes that off the table. But would I be absolutely angry if they made that deal? No. Because I can't imagine both Frank and Knox are going to be a home run one day. We might be giving up one that works out, but I really doubt two. Yeah, and again, before, like, if we get anybody over here in some type of trade, I want it to excite me. Again, like, I, I, I like CP3 coming here. I like the idea of it, but it doesn't excite me. Again, we're giving away a lot, or you'd have to to get him. You know, I mentioned, yeah, he's second All-NBA team, but, I mean, the guy has an average 20 points in 11 years. you got to go back to, like, the 2008-2009 season. Now, he's always right there. You know, 17 to 20 points. Um, and he's going to bring a lot more than that to your team. That's why you're getting him here. But it's not going but it, but to excite me. Well, it might t- entirely change the way we play. Especially if it catapults you into to getting somebody else. You know, then you're talking about, okay, now maybe you got a competitive, competitive pro- uh, product. Does it help you make the playoffs or does he help you just get to 30 wins? I mean, you got you to gotta climb the escalator a little bit. You know, I don't know any single move that you're going to make you know, barring getting a top 10 player in the league that's going to propel you to the playoffs. I don't have a problem increasing my win total, you know, double doubling my win total, even if, even if it doesn't get me to the playoffs. If it gets me a step closer, that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to get better. You know, and to do it all with your draft picks is just, it doesn't happen that way. They're so starving for a point guard where part of me think, thinks it'd be worth it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a table setter. You know, it all, it all begins there. If there's one position that you want to get that kind of player for at the back end of his career and trade some assets for to just help get these young guys over the hump and show them what it's like to be a leader and start winning some games and put the ball in their hands and let them be the coach on the floor it's yes paul yeah some type of floor general you haven't had that or we could just fucking go every year after we'll have dsj but dsj be the floor general guiding all these young guys this season i mean what a difference chris paul would be yeah Think about that. We could either have Dennis Smith Jr. as a starting point guard, and imagine he's like last year, or Chris Paul. We know what you're going to get. We have no idea what we're going to get with DSJ or Frank. No idea. Yeah, I mean, there is something intriguing about this year having Tom Thibodeau as your head coach on the sideline and Chris Paul leading your team on the floor. You know, a lot comes with that. You guys ready to talk about some draft picks? Yeah. We have done the point guards, the shooting guards, the small forwards, the power forwards. Our plan was to do the centers this week. But I was looking at the mock draft, and there's pretty much one center projected to go in the first round, Vernon Carey out of Duke. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say— Other than James Wiseman, you mean? Other than James Wiseman, I'm sorry, yes. So I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that Vernon Carey is the best center (laughs) after James Wiseman in the first. We don't even need to look at his highlights. Uh, I think it's very unlikely we would draft him anyway. So we'll probably get to him at some point, but we are going to look at the other point guards this week because I found it interesting how far Cole Anthony has been falling. Some people have him falling out of the first round even. (laughs) It's crazy, right, dude? Which is unreal. So I said if Cole Anthony's falling out of the first round and there's other point guards that people think are better than him, we got to look at some of these guys. I mean, it's almost like you, you've seen like Boiler Room, right? That movie about stocks where they'll, you no. know, it's almost like somebody's, well, it's almost like somebody's trying to bring down his stock. Like somebody's spreading rumors about this guy, like, um, you know, he's really got this bad injury and you don't want to draft him. Maybe somebody's putting it out there because a team wants to steal him. Oh, and sure. Like, they're, they're trying to drop him into the 30s, Barry? I don't know what's going on. 
I mean, you're talking about this highly projected guy. When he, he really you know, wants, when he, he to really USC. wants to go to the Raptors at 29. So they're just trying to <laughs> right. drop his stock. <laughs> it is crazy that he went from being a top five pick before his college season, and now everyone is so down on him. They got him going maybe late first round. And he hasn't played a game in how many months? I don't know, the same as anyone else. I know, exactly. So that's what doesn't make any sense. I know, it's really, really bizarre. You know, you see this when guys have like a major injury, you know, in their season. Like we saw what happened to Michael Porter Jr., you know. But he underwent a, you know, major injury, major surgery, and that's why he dropped to where he dropped. You know, it still wasn't as low as they're projecting Cole Anthony to drop. You know, he went, what, the 14? MPJ did? Well, now, I mean, Tankathon still has him at 20, but there have been other mock drafts that have come out since our last show, and he's he's moved even further beyond that in some of those. So we're going to look at some other point guards that are in that 15 to 30 range. All right, some have even jumped ahead of Cole Anthony that we haven't looked at yet. So we're looking at Trey Jones, Nico Mannion, Theodore Maladon, and Tyrell Terry. And Barry would like to correct me, and it's Teo Maladon. You're confident about that? Yes. You sent me a text before the show. You wanted. You said you wanted to. What'd you say? Bring some uh, some legitimacy to the legitimacy to the, to the podcast. Yeah. Instead of us mispronouncing all these names. That's right. Is it Nico Mannion or Mannion? I assume so. I didn't feel the need to to look it okay. up. He's Italian. Really? Yeah. Because he, he was born in Italy. His father's oh, Italian. Oh, real Italian. Italian. Yeah. Yeah, Italian American. All right, so we're gonna start off with Trey Jones, twenty-one year old, six foot three sophomore out of Duke, averaged sixteen points, six assists, four boards, and a couple steals. Shot thirty-six percent from three. His comp, Kirk Heinrich, with shades of Avery Bradley. Jay, what do you think of Trey Jones? Well, actually, on on Tankathon right now, they have him going to the Knicks at twenty-seven. Oh, I didn't, I didn't give his projected. Uh, yeah, there, they've so got him you. at twenty-seven right now, going to the Knicks. I mean, I like his defense. He's a good playmaker. Uh, he was good in transition. His shot's okay. I mean, one of the things they said is they think his ability, you know, his, his shot can get better. Not not a Tyrese Halliburton-looking shot. Normal-looking no, shot. No, he's not shooting from the nipples. Not very explosive. And not very good finishing around the, the basket either. I mean, truthfully, I, I wasn't impressed all that much with what I saw. You got to remember, this is a guy who played along Zion and RJ and Cam. And still that freshman year of his, he averaged, what, nine points and five assists. Uh, his sophomore year, he bumped those numbers up to 16 points, like you said, even more assists, even without those guys around him. Um, so he showed a lot. He, um, a great defender at six foot three, um, which says On a lot. and off the ball, right? All over the place. Yeah, yeah, which when you're six foot three and, and you got that going for you, that, that's a big thing. Um, he was quick. Smart, really good in transition, as Blandy said. Uh, he improved his three-point shot from 26% to 36% from freshman to sophomore, so that's good. Uh, he was like a bulldog in the paint, you know, not afraid to go at guys, drawing fouls. The only thing, like Blanderson said, he didn't finish well around the rim at all. In fact, he shot 46% from the restricted area, which is pretty pretty awful. And And when he was outside the paint, he didn't really have good moves to get open looks. So he he did have a lot of flaws in his game. I do think he's ready, you know, and he, he should be in this draft. I think he will be in the first round, like you said. But um, I don't think there's enough in his offensive arsenal. Solid, solid point guard, in my opinion. Pass first player. 
His shot needs work. He can get in the paint, but he has trouble finishing. But he's really a defensive gnat and, you know, a floor general. He's not going to light it up himself, but he's going to get the get guys who are open the ball and he's going to set them up and he's going to play hard, a little small. I'm sure he's a backup point guard in the league. His older brother's in the NBA on the Grizzlies, Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. Yeah, he was with Minnesota for a few years, then he joined Memphis last year. Projected to go number 24 on Tankathon right now out of Arizona. Freshman out of Arizona, 19 years old, Nico Mannion. 14 points a game, 5 assists, 33% from 3. Comp is Darren Collison with shades of Jeff Teague. He's got this bright orange hair. Barry, what do you think about him? You hear about court vision you know, with a lot of people all the time. And, I mean, Nico definitely has it because I was watching some of his highlights and he would make passes to people that I didn't even see that the opportunity was there. But he, you know, he'd get himself in spots and get the hands to the get the ball in those guys' hands. Uh, so he really does see the whole court as if he's like freezing time, which was pretty impressive. Uh, really good on-ball defender, at least when he's guarding people his size, because he's another guy that's only six foot three. Uh, very poor off-ball defender, because uh, he'd leave his man all the time, and then he, you know he'd never be able to recover. As far as back on offense, a lot of floaters, you know, as far out from like the free throw line, free throw line extended. I enjoyed watching him play. Really good at creating his own shot. Has a pretty good shot. I don't think the numbers really showed it, but I was reading that his shot is much better than it looks. He could create his own shot. He is also at the same time, even though he's got a real good shot and can create himself, he is a pass first kind of player, which is intriguing. A lot of these guys, it's either one or the other, it seems. Um, but he could offensively create on his own and he could get his his teammates open Real good playmaker, real good passer, one of the best in the draft, supposedly, solid defender. He's small, you know, thin. He looks like a boy out there, even amongst college kids. So I don't know how he'll hold up in the NBA. Jay, what'd you think of Nico? Uh, he was really creative around the basket. I wasn't expecting to see some of the, the plays that I saw him pull off. I mean, when he he didn't seem to have any kind of fear at all when he would go into the to the hole or to the hoop. Uh, you're right about a shot. I mean, the percentages are not there. 39% from the field and 32% from three. But from what I saw in the highlights, he seemed to have a pretty decent shot. Is he going to excite me? No. He definitely needs to put on some weight. He's going to get overmatched in the in the pro game, that's for sure. And right now on, on Tangathon, they're projecting not, there are nine point guards going in the first round. So this is, that's I know crazy. we've heard for like a year now about the point guard crop coming out of this, and we've been watching them, and we haven't been crazy impressed with anyone outside of maybe LaMelo. I know Barry loves Tyrese, and both love Cole Anthony, and now I think I'm crazy for it based on what everyone's saying. These are the, There are nine guys, and these are four of them. So, And they're all grouped up right now on Tankathon to be going five or six point guards going in 20 through 27 <laughs> on their uh, mock draft, which is crazy. But next up, we got Teo Maladon. 19-year-old, six-foot-four point guard out of France. Actually, I'm pretty sure he's good friends with Frank Nilakina, and that's not a joke just because they're both from France. Um, seven points a game, three assists, and 15 minutes per game. From what I saw, I was not that impressed with Teo. A good passer. Seems to have a lot of style with some of his passes, a lot of zip. Does a pretty good job getting into the lane, drawing defenders, and then feeding his teammates. Actually pretty good at fin with finishing at the rim. I was reading that Tony Parker is a mentor of his. 
And you can actually see a lot of that in his game, I thought. He sort of looked like Tony Parker a lot, getting in the lane and, and the way he was scoring in the lane and, and taking hits. But some big concerns, he just could not handle the ball at all. He can't break you down. Like Nico, really slender, really small, even though he's six foot four, just had zero strength. If you think Frank is slender, he's even more slender. He's got like no shoulders on him at all. I would never invest a pick in him, especially coming out of France. Barry, what do you think of Teo? Yeah, I mean, like you said, he was about six foot four. He's got a wingspan of six foot nine, and and you'd expect a guy with that length to be a really good defender. And he's he's not. He's a below average defender. He was slow. He can't keep in front of his man. Um, like you said, he was a good passer. You know, he he he's able to get himself in the right spots without being super quick. He's able to kind of maneuver himself in the right spot and kind of adapt as the play is going on to be able to get the ball to whoever he wants to. Um, so I think that was his biggest asset. As far as you know, his poor defense is concerned, I will say that th- there are a lot of scouting reports that say later in games, and especially in tight games, that his defense was better. He showed signs of good technique and, and a little bit more effort, so there could be t- potential there. Yeah, I, I don't know how well he would fit. You know, you got a guy like, Frank and and if you're still trying to you know mold him into the point guard or maybe even you know a, a combo guard I don't I don't know if you necessarily want him and again not because he's a French guy but just because they got similar size similar length but Frank's a much better defender and I don't know how much more this guy's going to give you on offense but they've got they've got him going right now 23 to the Jazz which is ahead of Nico ahead of Trey Jones and I have to be honest I didn't see it ahead of those guys <laughs> even. Jay, did you like Teo or you have no, anything else to add all. to that? Um, his D was not good. I mean, if you watch those, the, the, the lowlights, I mean, he was constantly getting beaten off the dribble by his men, uh, by his man. His, his lateral quickness was, was non-existent. Um, and I don't know if you Second saw this. Second row, lateral quickness. This, well, I threw that in there for Barry's sake. <laughs> yeah, I wanted okay. to use that. Uh, very foul prone. I was not, I was not impressed with him at at all and last up on the list right now projected to go right behind cole anthony at 21 tyrell terry six foot one 160 pounds jesus christ which is fucking crazy out of stan freshman out of stanford this kid looks like he's a freshman in high school (laughs) average 15 points a game three assists 41 percent from three his comps seth curry with shades of trey young amongst this group actually Watching him, he got me the most excited out of anybody. He is tiny. He is very slender, but he can—he's got that Trey Young, Steph Curry range. Yeah, I thought that, I thought shot so too. That was he was really impressive. He's just shooting from wherever the hell he was on the court. It didn't matter where he was. If he felt comfortable pulling up, he would just pull up and let it fly. And he is apparently a really high basketball IQ player. Have you heard about the test that they gave him? No. So here, I'll just read a quote. According to a person who spoke to USA Today, Tyrell Terry broke a record for a basketball IQ test administered by several NBA front offices this offseason. Add that with the shot and his age, there's some potential there. Barry, what do you think of Tyrell? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a couple of comps. You reminded me a lot of Tyler Hero. Um, from you know just being a good three-point shooter and the way he'd be able to drive to the basket and finish um, and like you said good range he's good on all types of three-point shots whether it's you know catch and shoots pull-ups um, you know spot ups uh, really good passer too um, he anticipates well on defense uh, big time competitor they say this kid's got a lot of passion and like you said a lot of smarts but 
I mean, he's listed at 160 pounds. He's going to be at a major disadvantage against anybody bigger than him. Which um, is everybody. Which is going to be everybody. According to the ringer's Kevin O'Connor, he's now at 6'3", 174. I have heard that he has put on some weight. 6'3", 174. I mean, that's a difference of 15 pounds. <laughs> Well, he'll have it. That's pretty good in that short amount of time. I mean, he knows he's got to do that. That's well, his biggest downfall. But, I mean, so, that, I mean, that's, and I'm sure, you know, that's probably all muscle, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's all muscle. Now he went from being emaciated to being still insanely thin. <laughs> right, still, but 6'1", 160, 6'3", 175, you know, that, that makes a difference. I When I came out of high school, I was 5'8", 140. And when I got out of freshman year in college, I was 5'8", uh, 210. So, <laughs> no, you were not. That, out there. that is not true. All right, everybody, you hear that music? Everybody's favorite part of the show, my favorite part of the show. This is the news with Blanderson Hooper. All right. I'm sorry, Hooper. Here we go. So, in the finals, the Lakers uh, were up 3 1, looking to clinch in game five, and they lost to the Heat by three. So, we move on. To a game six, the Lakers looking to win their 17th, I believe, um, title. And just a small little piece of uh, information here, Rajon Rondo. If the Lakers are able to pull this one out. Rajon or Rajon? What did I say, Rajon? Rajon? Rajon Rondo? Whatever, Rajon Rondo. He would become the first NBA player to win a title for both the Lakers and... And the Celtics. Never been done before. Who cares? Who cares? Barry, do you care about that? This is the NBA news? I'm giving you the news. <laughs> well, two, the weirdest the two most stat. historic franchises. Yeah, it's the two in most the historic franchises in the game, and it's, it's never been done before. Well, you know, going into uh, this game five, it was the 18th, oh, no, no, 19th time that LeBron had been in like a closeout game um, in the playoffs to advance or to win the series. And he had won 17 of his previous 18 closeout mm-hmm. games. And now Can I tell lost. you another stat? And I don't even need to look up to see if this is true. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> if LeBron and the Lakers win, it'll be the first time anyone has ever won a championship with the Lakers, the Heat, and the Cavaliers. Are you sure about that? <laughs> You're sure? I'm pretty confident about He's it. He's right. Are you? How do you know? Because uh, I'm sure of it. I mean, because it's rare that a guy has done it with three different teams to begin with. So the fact that it, and that it one of them is three. on Cleveland, it's one of them 100%. is Cleveland. Yeah, it was Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, they've only have one, right? Cleveland. Yes, I believe that's the only title, the one that he won that year. So unless the there's worst. another Cleveland player who's on the Lakers right now and was on the Heat, he's the only one. No, I mean, there's J.R. Smith, but he wasn't <laughs> on the Heat, from what I can remember. I mean, those were. So there you go, Jay. So what the hell? Who cares about the Lakers and Celtics and Rajon Rondo? Listen, I'm just trying to give you the news. And the only other thing <laughs> and, I want and to LeBron, say about- LeBron would be the only player to win the ch- the finals on three separate teams and be Finals MVP for three separate teams. That's oh, if no he were to win the MVP, that. if he I mean, wins not, the MVP, yeah, not Anthony Davis. And the only other thing, uh, Finals related, is that this game was actually broadcast on Chinese state-run TV the first NBA game that has been on Chinese TV in more than a year since Daryl Morey made those comments about what the Chinese government was doing uh, in Hong Kong. So that's that's pretty wow. big. That is big. Uh, for the NBA's relationship with So they with relented. Well, yeah. I mean, after a year. It's basically been a year uh, almost to the day. Um, 
what made them choose this particular game? I mean, why wait until five games in? I don't know, but you know, maybe that signals a thawing in the relationship between between the two. Uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis, mm. you know, our favorite player, underwent surgery to repair a meniscus tear in his right knee. And how serious is that? Do you, do you have any insight about meniscus tears? Not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> no. Barry? I wish I, wish I, did. I mean, I know lots of players get them, and lots of people get them. A lot of debate on Twitter whether that's serious or not serious. Well, I would think for a guy who's seven foot three and has knee problems to begin with, it's got to be you know relatively serious. Listen, I, I think the most serious thing is that it is a recurring problem. I know it wasn't in the same knee, but you cannot be getting knee surgeries every single season as a, what is he, 22, 23? What, every offseason you have a knee surgery of some sort? Not a good situation. In uh, Nets news, or former Nets news, Kenny Atkinson has interviewed for the position in Houston to take over from Mike D'Antoni, who left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also in former Nets coach news, Lawrence Frank was recently named NBA Executive of the Year for his work with the Clippers. Wow. Um, also in Nets news, you know, we talked last week about Crazy Kyrie. Uh, Charles Barkley said this week that Kyrie's comment about the coach and him being the coach or KD being a co- is one of the craziest things he had ever heard an NBA player say. And that's coming from a crazy person himself. Yeah. Charles so he so. said it. he thought it was crazy. <laughs> and he also, um, he said, it's a good thing that Kyrie and KD did not sign with the Knicks, but they are not doing anything in Brooklyn. Okay. I like Charles. Um, what else I got? Russell Westbrook left the bubble and reportedly left an $8,000 tip for the uh, housekeeping staff, which uh, that's a nice chunk of change. Uh, Chris Paul, who's the head of the Players Union, who we talked about before, said that now 90% of all of the players in the NBA are registered to vote. We've talked over the weeks about you know them getting involved in what's going on. Um, yeah, so they said there are f- at least 15 teams where every single player on those 15 teams is now registered. Is that up from four years ago? I believe so, yes. And that's the way the basketball bounces. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this show today. Remember, you can reach out to us. It's a hardnickslife at gmail.com. You can follow me at hardnickslife. You can follow Barry at Barry Dorkin. You can follow Blandy at Blandy Hooper. Remember, if you like our show, please leave us a rating and or a positive review wherever you listen. And you can call us at 516-33-MESH-1. You can text us. They can text us at that same number. You want to text us a question? Oh, oh. Did well, you guys know that? Well, you can text well us. tweet at us. Yeah. Might as well. But you might get some back and forth from me. I've texted back. Especially these days, I'm on vacation. I do nothing all day. <laughs> all right, I got to go, guys. <laughs> I got to wake up really early. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Forgot you didn't even want to be here. All right. All right, so we're stopping? No, no. we haven't even... Until next time, it is a hard... Nick's life. That's the first time anyone's ever tried to stop the show before it was actually over. Well, he's the one saying he's got to go. Not before the show's over. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.